I am going to uh, share a little bit today um, on calling. That's what I felt to, to preach into, on calling. What does it mean uh, to be called and how do we hear God's call for our life? So I really hope that might be relevant for you. It might be that that is something that you've never experienced before uh, and this might be the day that God begins to stir that in you. It might be something that you think, oh, that'll happen later in my life. Uh, or it might be something that you've heard a few times and you followed through with, or that you're in, you're literally living out a calling that God has already given you. And I believe that today God's got just a real refreshment for all of us, uh, that we might hear something of how he has called us, each of us, uh, uniquely so uh, what does it mean to be called? Well, uh, good you know, preacher as I am, I went to the dictionary, and uh, this is what it says. It says, uh, calling, number one, the action or sound of calling. Number two, a strong urge towards a particular way of life or career, a vocation. Now, vocation is a word that gets used a lot in the Anglican church, and some of you will have heard that before. Some of you, uh, like me, will have followed through with a sense of call in that way. And St. Paul Shadwell has a phenomenal track record of people who felt called into Anglican ministry. I mean, it's like a little bit frightening sometimes. I've been here three years and yet I still go to something and they're like, oh yes, we were at St. Paul's and we felt God's call and then we went off and did this other thing. But today I just want to say that this is not just about being called to the Anglican church. And uh, thank the Lord, he cannot outwork his whole mission purely through the Anglican church. He needs people to do that in way more places and in a much broader context. So uh, you might find yourself and I know, like, you know, we in this room represent so many different professions, uh, places, uh, and uh, vocations in a, such a broad way. And I just really want to affirm that today. Please hear that. This is not just about um, uh, conforming to something that is already there. This is about you being called to something uniquely that forms part of the body of Christ and God's outworking of his mission in the world. Number three in the dictionary, a professional occupation. There you go. You've got the dictionary definition. Um, I'm going to go a little bit deeper than that. You'll be pleased to hear. In the Hebrew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like, yeah, good, good, yeah. That's what I was hoping for. The word, I don't know how to pronounce it properly, uh, despite my education, is uh, karah. And uh, it's the word that gets used. You might be familiar with it, especially in the Old Testament, uh, when the big ones are called. Moses, Abraham before him, uh, Joshua, the same, this same Hebrew verb to be called or God calling, the action or sound of God specifically calling gets used. And it means this, to call or to summon to announce or to proclaim. Yeah, I think you probably all guessed that kind of stuff. But it also means a few other things. It means appointed. So appointed, God often calls us into something in, in quite a specific way, to be appointed to preach good news to the poor, to be appointed to uh, set the slaves free. This is a good biblical calling here. But amazingly in the Hebrew, there's another angle uh, to this verb, karah, which means to be invited as a guest. 
And this is part of what I think we always need to remind ourselves of is that the mission is God's and he's inviting us into it as guests. He's the one who is going. Jesus is the one who's going before us into things, into our exams recently, so many, uh, into our uh, careers, whatever it might be. God, uh, through Jesus, is going ahead of us because it's his mission and we get to join in with that as guests. When God calls us, it is as guests, as welcome guests. In the Greek, uh, there are two words. Uh, in fact, there's another word that gets used as well. And at those same senses, to call, to summon, to call into one's presence, to send for somebody, uh, to call into the privileges of the gospel, There begins to be this living out of the verb in the New Testament, which is specifically about the good news that Jesus has to share with the world, the call. Uh, And interestingly, in the Greek as well, there is this part of this verb, which is uh, being called to dignity. Isn't that amazing? That when God calls us, it is not a call into something that is like, crushingly vulnerable, although it might feel like that sometimes, uh, or is uh, exposing in, a, in, in any ne- negative way to us, actually it's about us becoming even more dignified in who we are as human beings and who God has made us to be. It's fascinating. So uh, that's my preamble for you so that you feel uh, and know that there is some depth and uh, like technicality to this. But uh, really, like, actually, I want to be like even more simple. Two weeks ago, we were praying as a staff team, those of us who were here and not on holiday. And I just really felt like this season is a key one for God to speak into our calling, everybody who's in and around SPS. And uh, And I just think I'm really expectant that God is going to be stirring something in each of you, even if you're just a visitor today, like my mum and dad, uh, even if you're just a visitor, that God is going to be, because you've come today, whoever it might be over the coming months, uh, that God wants to just uh, spark calling afresh in your hearts, in your minds, and in your guts as well, that you would Go with God in what he has called you to do. I'm going to like dig deep, deep, a little bit deeper into this uh, for us today uh, by just looking um, at what Jesus, three things that Jesus says when he calls the first disciples. Uh, actually, before that, I, I was looking at different um, people's quotes about calling. There's so much out there, right, about calling uh, and it's so interesting to go and hear and I started to realize that the East End has just been a hotbed for calling for so many centuries. Uh, That sense of like strong identity and calling into a profession or a vocation or something Uh, and and one of the Christian heroes of the East End, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he said this, he said, uh, not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. I mean, immediately it makes me want to sit down with William Booth because he sounds like he had a bit of a dry sense of humor. But uh, he was a deeply serious man. And in there, there is something really profound, which is really what I want to kind of eke out, is that God is calling you. Even if you've ruled yourself out, thought that it's somebody else's job, uh, like naively thought that, you know, Mark Bishop's up there preaching, so he must be really secure in his calling, uh, and I'm not, and that's fine. Uh, 
that God is calling you. And actually, it's more a matter of just hearing that than it is about needing to know uh, like what it, whether he is or not. He is calling you. Can you hear it? Not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Jesus uses very few words in the New Testament when he calls the first disciples. Uh, can anybody tell me any of the words that Jesus said? If you've got like one of the red letter Bibles, it might help you. Uh, anybody want to, there's one big one that somebody should be able to get, I reckon, a phrase that he used. Follow me. Yes, very. I will make you fishers of men. Yes, Joe, very good. Any others? Any others? Any other? Come. Yeah, come follow me. Yes, Dollar. Yeah, uh, exactly. Those ones right in there. Fishers, you know, interestingly, the word for, for, fish, for men, fishers of men, is fishers of, is anthropoi, fishers of men and women. Uh, so uh, there's no excuses, ladies. It's all calling for all of us. Um, and uh, he said, yeah, Matthew, it's follow me and I will make you fishers of men and women. Uh, and follow me. Mark, it's the same. Uh, and then we have also the calling of Levi a little bit later in Mark. Follow me, it says. In Luke 5, he says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. In the same part where he's calling um, the first, uh, Peter and, and the others. Uh, and then, and he doesn't, interestingly, he doesn't say follow me in that, in the Luke passage, which I'm going to pick up on. Uh, but he does say later, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men and women. John uh, really interestingly, the, the Jesus' words go, what are you seeking? Come and you will see. And then he renames Simon Peter, the rock. Uh, and uh, I used up all my uh, rock uh, Dwayne Johnson jokes last week, so I'm not going to do any of those this week. Um, uh, and then straight after to Philip, follow me. So there's some just really interesting things in there. And I want to focus on these three phrases. Number one, what are you seeking? Number two, put out into the deep. And number three, from now on, you will fish for people. So uh, number one, what are you seeking? Now, Jesus is just really good at asking questions. And it's interesting. Some people would say uh, it's really interesting when you read about the art of question asking uh, that people begin to say, actually, it's more important to ask questions than it is to gain answers. Now, that can be really frustrating because we live in a world that is crying out for answers where, you know, there are so many different people who have, when they have the answer to it, uh, you know, you want to go to them. Here are the five steps to the perfect body, mind, whatever it is, you know, um, and YouTube will no doubt have tried to ask, like, kind of give you the answer so many different times. Um, Jesus just was a real question asker. When you dig into the gospel, uh, he asked questions like this in, in Mark 8 and Matthew 16, who do people say I am, he said to the disciples, and then who do you say I am? These are good questions to ask ourselves, the questions of Jesus. Who do people say that Jesus is in and around your workplace, wherever you find yourself, in your family? And then who do you say that Jesus is in your family, at your workplace? Do you even have opportunity for that? Jesus says, do you see anything to a blind man? 
obviously he's just prayed for the blind man, uh, but you know, Jesus is, he ends up saying things to people that to us, and certainly to me and my own Britishness, they feel pretty awkward. I'm not about to ask any blind people, do you see anything? I would feel deeply nervous about that. But here is Jesus asking exactly the right question to the right person at the right time. I love the question that he, uh, that he asks the woman who's caught in adultery brought before these uh, people, these men who are about to stone her. It's, a, it's an amazing uh, and harrowing kind of uh, setting. And uh, it's one that I studied a lot. And it makes, I very, uh, um, it makes quite emotional, you know, thinking about it. Because it so captures some of the injustices that are going on in the world today. And Jesus asks a phenomenal question right in the midst of it. He asks a profound question uh, of all of the men who are about to feel like they've fulfilled something, even though it's based on a, a, a only half the law that was written in Deuteronomy. Um, and then he says to the woman, is there no one left to condemn you? Jesus had a, a way of asking questions uh, that he knew the answer to, right? He's already cleared everybody off with, with another profound question, you know? Which of you has, uh, of, has no sin, you know, cast the first stone? But, but then he so chooses to, quest, to ask the question of the lady so that she could give the response. Because even Jesus knew that it was her answer to give. How dignified is that? How, how strong and how dignified because there was no one left to condemn her. And Jesus was in the midst of forgiving her to the point where, where he, was, he forgave her and get, brought forgiveness into her life to the point where he could say, go and sin no more. Profound questions. And it's frustrating. I get it. It's frustrating sometimes when we feel like God is asking us a question rather than giving us an answer. But I want to encourage you in the midst of this uh, like sense of what is God calling you to, that God is going to ask you questions. And often he's going to ask you questions rather than just give you answers. And this is because he wants to dignify you. He does it and he's been doing it right from the beginning. One of the first questions in the Bible is, where are you? That God, as he's walking in the garden, says to Adam and Eve, did God know where, he, where they were? Of course he did. But knowing the situation that they were already in and the shame and complexity and the fear, he says and dignifies them so that they might give the answer, where are you? You might want to ask yourself that question first today. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you with your work? Where are you with your sense of worth in that? Where are you with your productivity? How are you feeling going into the autumn? Where are you with all of those things? And where are you with God? Are you hiding from anything? Do you need to come to God? Because he's the one who wants to dignify you. And one of the questions that he wants to ask you is this. As Jesus called the first disciples in John, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Does he say, 
are you going to, like, you know, are you equipped for what I'm about to call you to? No, he doesn't say that. Does he say, you're going to have to be really qualified for this? No, I can testify to that. You're not going to have to be that qualified. Uh, do you have to be skilled for it? No, you might get more skilled on the go. Uh, do you have to be fully funded for it to follow this call? No. Uh, in fact, it probably involves giving away more than it does receiving at the beginning. Uh, does it mean being in exactly the right place in your heart and your mind? No. It means hearing God's call. It means receiving from him, the one who wants to dignify you with this calling. So what are you seeking? Where are you? God is asking you questions. Can you hear them? Okay, number two, put out into the deep. Now, this is very interesting uh, because it's in Luke 5 where, where Jesus says this. And he's already asked Peter to put out a little bit in the boat. So Jesus has been preaching in Peter's boat. Uh, and, uh, and then he says, put out into the deep. And you might find this as you pursue calling uh, with God, that God will ask you a little bit. And then he will ask you to put out into the deep. And I feel like part of this season is probably for a lot of us going to be much more about putting out into the deep than just putting our toe in the water. And uh, this is a really interesting phrase because it's not positive. In Proverbs, it says, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters, uh, but the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. The deep waters are bad, wisdom is good and is a bubbling brook. Psalm 69, deliver me from the sinking mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from deep waters. Jesus deliberately says something which is addressing Peter and the other early disciples and those fishermen, addressing their fear. And so this is really what I want us to understand from this phrase that Jesus uses, put out into the deep, is that often God will call you to something that feels beyond you. And often you will feel afraid at first because it's very human to do that. But Jesus says, put out into the deep. Because he is the one who, who doesn't want to just use you and put that stuff on the side. He wants to use all of you. He wants to use the whole person. And my experience so far in my life is that God is as concerned, if not more so, with my inward call, what my inner life is like, than he is with my outer call, what it looks like to everybody else. Put out into the deep. Jesus is calling you uh, into deeper places with him and that will, that will confront fear and resistance uh, and shame in your life. But he also says just after that, it's the only bit in which he also says, do not be afraid. And this is the power of the words of Jesus, that we can accept his ability to undo our fear. We can receive his phrase, do not be afraid, because it's from him. Because he has the power and has proved on the cross his power uh, to overcome fear, to break fear. He gave his life so that fear might not dominate your life, but that you might live a new life, free from fear. And where the spirit is, there is freedom. We talked about that last week. And perfect love, which is what Jesus uh, has given us, is giving us, will give us. Perfect love drives out fear. 
These uh, two people, Richard Langer and Joanne Young, who wrote a book called The Call to Follow, they say this, the calling to serve as a follower does not rely on drawing attention to oneself, but to the God who calls us to represent him in the spheres of influence as his ambassadors, as well as witnesses of his spirit residing within. God is calling you despite your fears. Can you hear him? Are you able, are you willing to hear him? Number three, he uses the phrase, from now on you will fish for people. Now, calling will be shaped by your personality, your talents, things that you're good at. In fact, you know, a lot of the secular research around leadership and development is, is absolutely in favor of you should do the things that you're good at. You should do that. And I think God, you know, that's a real human thing. That's part of carrying the image of God. God has called you into various things that he wants you to be good at, that you're made to be good at. And it will be a combination of those, those things always. In fact, yeah, with the disciples, it was fascinating because he, he called fishermen to be fishers of people. So there was a direct correlation with the profession they already had with what he was calling them into. But as we can see, there was a twist and I think God just wants to uh, speak to us uh, about what that twist in our life might be. How what he has gifted us to do, that might be something that, that, um, that serves the world. In fact, William Booth, he called, it about, he called it being part of publishing God's great mercy to the world. So whether you're a writer or a, a in that kind of industry or not, you are called into publishing because you are called into publishing the mercy of Jesus to the world. Frederick Buchner, uh, I probably haven't said his surname right, uh, so forgive me for that, Frederick. But yeah, this wonderful quote, which comes up time and time again, if you've never heard it, you should really get it from me afterwards and then think about it long and hard. Uh, is this, the place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place where God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I want to challenge you that wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you are called into bringing this great mercy, this good news to the world. That might not look like overt evangelism, but you are called to be good news wherever you are. 1 Corinthians seven seventeen says, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. You know, we need people who will write songs of mercy to the world. We need you musicians. We need you singers to do this. We need people to design spreadsheets that battle poverty. Uh, it's okay to love spreadsheets. Timmy will tell you that. Uh, we need people who can get their heads around these things. We need new algorithms that lead people into forgiveness, not fundamentalism. We need the spirit-filled carers people who will give their lives for the sake of another, be it family or uh, in an institution. Uh, we need them. We need spirit-filled parents and cleaners and delivery drivers. We need people who will bring dignity into all of these different workplaces and parts of our society and the global community. We need people in healthcare 
who know the healing heart of God. And and I know that we do have those people because I'm looking at loads of you now. And I want to affirm that you are called into those places. And if you aren't in the place where God is calling you yet, that God wants to take you on the journey of what that might look like in your life. He wants to ask you, what are you seeking? And he wants to take you beyond your fears so that you might be free to follow him. This is a great quote. I believe there is a calling for all of us. I know that every human being has value and purpose. The real work of our lives is to become aware and awakened to answer the call. That's Oprah Winfrey, the great Oprah Winfrey. Calling is everywhere and, 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 and people want you to be called. It is releasing for others when you describe how you are called into something. And I, I get that it can be heavy sometimes and we feel underqualified, but God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He has chosen the likes of us. William Booth, again, he was the one that I felt really inspired by as we thought about our own East End context. He said this, the greatness of man's power is the measure of his surrender to Jesus. This is the kind of power that God wants to work through you that you would be surrendered to Jesus's mission and call, that you would receive from him the dignity that he wants to give you, and that you would pursue calling in so many beautiful and diverse ways that we surprise one another by when, in our conversations when we say, oh, yes, of course you're called to be in that you know, place, in that profession, in that thing. Or let me pray for you as you do that. I want us to pray. And uh, I want to actually give real space for that now. um, to um, To not shy away from it. So I wonder if... um, I wonder if we might just all stand, if you're able to and comfortable to. If you want to sit, that is also fine. 